well, we are still don't have a plan for long-term plan, but uh, I'm, I'm moving slowly through the beginning of Genesis again, like I did last year. Um, just a few things I wanted to wanted to talk about. I felt um, would be appropriate, and and uh, so today's sermon is is called uh, "Then God Said." Uh, I've got a lot of a lot of scripture here that um, I'm going to read, and and I may end up skipping some of it. Uh, but I'm in Genesis. Uh, mainly going to be in Genesis chapter 3 if you have your own Bibles that you want to turn to. I'm going to start off with the very verse, first verse of the Bible that says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Then God said, then it goes on, jumping into verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God caused, the, caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here we see that God spoke everything into existence. God said, and he brought the entire creation into existence, and then he took the man, uh, the pinnacle of creation was human beings in his li- made in his likeness, placed him in the garden. He gave him two duties. He told him, of course, he probably gave him all kinds of stuff, just like he gave him the responsibility to name the animals. There's lots of stuff that is not going to be recorded here, but two things that was important. He told him to work the garden. So we see that work is a part of the original creation. Um, work is a good thing, and and before the fall, uh, work was not backbreaking. <laughs> um, people like me could grow stuff. You know, you could you could actually put something in a seed in the ground, and it would actually grow and be healthy. Uh, that was what Adam was given to do to to grow stuff in the garden, fruit and vegetables, and all kinds of things. To work the garden, grow flowers, to see all the beauty that God had made. He's so creative. And he also gave him another responsibility. He said to watch over it. He was to protect it. So he was given a duty to work and he was given a duty to protect. Um, You say, what has he got to watch over? If everything grows like it's supposed to and there's no, no, no sin, no death, no decay, no problems, what's he got to watch over? Well, that, uh, that came along in the next chapter. The serpent came into the garden to do harm. And he was given the, the responsibility of watching over the garden. He was given, I guess you would say, um, he, was, he was given dominion over that area. Uh, that was his, supposed to be his home, his castle, as some of us might refer to it as. And an intruder came in to kill, and it was Adam's responsibility. What should he have done? He shouldn't have ate from the 
the apple, he should have snatched it out of Eve's hand and he should have taken that serpent and thrown him out the garden. That's what he should have done. He should have said, you get out of here. You don't belong here. You're not allowed here. That was what he should have done. But we will see that's not what happened. Uh, starting in verse 20, it says, The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man. And as he slept, God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at his place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And uh, as the woman would then respond that the man ain't been all there ever since. (laughs) (laughs) And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they became one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked yet felt no shame. Genesis starting in chapter 3. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? And that is what Satan came in. That was his, his, uh, his tactic in the very beginning. Did God really say? And that has been his tactic ever since. Ever since then, it has all, he has always tried to deceive, to twist God's word, to lie. The scripture says that he is the father of lies. And it says, so his tactic was, did God really say? You can't eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die. The serpent said to the woman, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so I've said it again, I'll I'll say it again. God said that he made man in his image, right? In his image. In Genesis 1:27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Every time you see in the beginning of Genesis where it talks about us being made in God's image, in two, all two or three, two or three cases, I can't remember exactly, but every time you see it there, it, it makes they, the, uh, the, God made a point to include male and female both. It's not man was made in his image and then she was made in, in Adam's image. No, in every case, Genesis, I don't have it right here, but Genesis one twenty seven. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. They are both made in his image. So was Adam and Eve already like God? Yes, they were already like God, God of all creation, of everything he made. And then he walked Adam through all the different animals. And you say, why was that point? Why was that even included? I think that kind of reinforces this point I'm trying to make. He walked Adam through all of the animals and said there was no helper corresponding to Adam. There was no no creature that was like Adam. So then God made another creature just like him. He, Adam was man, Eve was woman. He created both of them 
they were like each other, right? So they're not, they're unlike every other creature. That's the point I'm trying to make. Humans are unlike every other creature. But God specifically said that we, unlike all the other creatures, we are made in his image. We are like God. So Adam and Eve were already like God. And so Satan said, Satan lied to him and said, no, 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 if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll be like God. At which point, Adam should have said, we're already like God. Matter of fact, we're more like God than you are. So we're not going to listen to you. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at. And that, here's the key, it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. She wanted what she didn't have. And that's the other big lie of Satan. When he tempts you to sin, no matter what the sin is, when he tempts you to sin, he tempts you with thinking that he's got something that you want that you don't have. There's something you want that you don't currently have. It could be pleasure. You think you're going to experience some pleasure that you're not feeling now. It could be thinking that you're going to get peace. You know, a lot of people are really grieved and really hurt, and so they become alcoholics trying to drink away their pain. They think they want something they don't have. They want peace. But the problem with sin and the problem with the deception of Satan is he promises you that by reaching out and taking this thing and, and, and engaging in this sin, you'll get something that you don't have and it'll, make, it'll give you what you want. But it never, ever, ever, ever does. Ever. It never gives you what you want. Whenever you sin, the sin never gives you that fulfillment and, and peace that you're looking for. <clears throat> so she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. And this is where the men don't get off the hook here. Who was with her? Let me just throw this out there real quick. <laughs> the serpent. Um, a lot of people say, well, that's Satan. And some people will know it was a serpent. And then it became a snake. And there's a lot of confusion around that. And I don't know if I'm going to clear up your confusion because I don't know that I've got it all nailed down. But this, I'm just going to tell you how I understand it real quick. Remember um, Balaam's donkey? Do y'all believe that the donkey actually talked to Balaam? Even though we know donkeys can't? That's how I view this. The scripture says it was a serpent. So I do think it was a serpent. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not, and that's why I'm saying I could be wrong. This is not a make or break thing. But I think the serpent was used by Satan, just like people are used by Satan today. I think the serpent was a cunning creature that God had made. And I do believe that they could talk, just like I believe Balaam's donkey talked to him, and God allowed him to do so. I believe this was a cunning creature that had, was being used by Satan. Um, so if you want to refer to it as an actual serpent, an actual creature um, that talked with Adam and Eve, if that's what you want to believe. I don't think there's anything in biblically wrong with that. If you want to say it was Satan himself... You know, I don't really think there's anything wrong with thinking that. This is not a make or break situation, but since we're on there, I just wanted to mention that because 
people still today are deceived by and used by Satan. Still today. You know, when we start believing that we live in a world that is free from the supernatural, when we start believing that there are not angels and demons around us, that they're not actually influencing people, when we start believing that is when we start buying into the lie. That is not the picture God painted. God painted a picture where there's a physical world, there's a spiritual world, and they are always tied together. And they are always interacting. And there is always a battle going on. There is. There's always a battle going on. And there are spiritual enemies who want to use you and me just like he used the serpent and just like he ended up using Eve and just like he ended up using Adam. He wants to lie to you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to make you believe that sin is okay, and he wants you to to rebel against God. That is exactly what he wants. He wants to lie and steal and kill and destroy. And we have to be ready. We have to stand up to what he's got coming our way because he's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you you're not worthy. He's going to tell you that you're not valuable. He's going to tell you that you're, and it goes on and on and on and on. And we cannot buy into the lies. And so, like I said, I was going to give examples, but I decided not to. Um, One thing I've said a lot is you cannot know a lie unless you already know the truth. You can think it may be a lie. You can pick up on a hint. You can have a feeling. But you cannot recognize a lie unless you already know the truth. I think the last time I I used an example of my cats. but, But, I mean, if I were to stand up here... And, and, and tell you something, there's no way you can know if what I told you is true or a lie unless you already knew whether that was true or a lie. So how can you recognize Satan's lies? How can we recognize Satan's lies? Because Adam and Eve didn't pick up on it. They didn't catch it. How can we recognize when the enemy is trying to lie to us? The only way we can really be prepared is if we already know the truth. And so when, when Satan said... Did God really say? That is where this all was a make or break situation. Because Adam and Eve should have responded, yes, God really did say we cannot eat from this tree or we will die. He really did say that. And I know he said that. And so therefore, I recognize when you said you will not die when you straight out lied to me because God, I know God said I will die, but you lied to me when you said you will surely not die. That's when they should have recognized the lie. Did God really say? The only way we can be ready to know, to catch and be prepared for Satan's lies is if we already know what God really said. It's the only way. The only way we can do that is to read his words, to read them on a regular basis the rest of your life, to continue to read them. Don't just read them once. You read them all, start over, read them again. You can do any kind of plan you want. You can do a, I want to read through it every year. That's great. You can do, I'm going to read through it every three years. That's fine. 
You can say, I'm going to read this and this, or I'm just, I'm not going to read it in a timeline. I'm just going to open it up. I'm going to start every morning. I'm going to read a little bit, however much I feel like reading that day. And I'm going to put my bookmark there. And the next morning I'll get up and I'll just pick up where I left off. And I'm not going to have a plan, but I'm just, every day I'm just going to keep on reading. That's the only way we're going to be able to be prepared for Satan's lies. We have to know what God already said. We already have to know the truth. And it's those truths that are going to help us through situations that we're going to inevitably face. Just like the, the, all the people that have passed away this past week and Brother Raymond's funeral that will be tomorrow. The only thing that really gives you comfort in situations like that is knowing the truth of what God has already said that if we would place our faith in him, he has a wonderful life ahead of us and planned for us and ready for us when we leave this place. And I know that truth. And when Satan wants to come in and try to lie and take away that peace, we'll tell him, you're not allowed here. You're not allowed in my home. God gave me dominion over this place. You're not welcome here. Get out. Because God told me he loves me God told me he had me in his hand. God told me he's waiting on me. And God told me I'm going to be okay. That's the only way we can make it through this life. Because we have an enemy. And he's trying to take us all out. So she gave the fruit to him who was with her. And he ate it too. And I'll just say this. Maybe I shouldn't. But I say a lot of things. Maybe I shouldn't. The New Testament refers back to this um, and says that um, Eve was deceived, but Adam wasn't. And in the, in the Genesis story, when we're about to get to, Eve said she was deceived. So what do we see about the two different things? Satan deceived Eve. Adam chose to rebel. And Eve chose to rebel as well, but Satan tricked her. But it said Adam didn't see, Adam saw through the lie, I guess, is the way to understand that. He saw through the deception. But because Eve had chosen to do it, and he wanted to do it, he knew it was wrong, he knew it was not okay, he chose to do it anyways. And that's the heart of all of us. We all can be deceived, and we all can just willfully choose to rebel. And all of us have, every one of us. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, Yes, I'm sorry. I take full responsibility. Is that what he said? No. The man replied, as any three or four-year-old would, The woman you gave to me, be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Let me put it this way. Eve is here. God is here. You know what he really did? The woman you gave to me. See, everybody says Adam pointed his finger at Eve. Eve pointed her finger at the serpent. Adam pointed his finger at God. Well, he did both, I guess. He did both. 
He said, that woman that you gave me while I was asleep and didn't have no choice about it, <laughs> that woman gave me fruit and I ate. He didn't take any responsibility. Of course he didn't. Nobody does. So the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, what is this that you have done? No, he didn't say that, did he? He just went on. He knew what he'd done. That was his intention. His intention was to come in and to kill them. His intention was to come in and strip their life from them. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Now, I won't, let me throw this in here because I can't skip over anything that may be controversial. That's just not my, my cup of tea. He's telling them, he's, he, he's giving curses. He is. He is changing life. and he's, He is cursing the earth and all this. But he is telling them how the world is about to fall apart and how things are about to work when they weren't supposed to work that way. And what we see is the man was not ruling over the woman with her desire for him before the fall. But this became a natural consequence after the fall. Why is that? I, I mean, we could all stand up here and make all kinds of guesses all we want. I would say the most simple answer, may not be the right one, but the most simple answer is because when you have power, you abuse it. And men are just predominantly built stronger than women. And I believe they just abuse that power. I, I think that's the simplest answer. But what he said was your perfect marriage relationship will never be the same. And what we will see, and we always have throughout history, is we will see men abuse their strength over you. And your desire will be for them. You will have a longing for them in your heart that you can't get rid of. And we see that over and over and over and over and over. How many times do you see these uh, I, I think back to high school um, is when I, you know, really saw this the most. All these girls who were with these guys who just treated them like dirt, and they just could not pull themselves away from him. You see, I mean, that's just, and he's saying that's just in nature built into you. Your desire is going to be for him. You're going to want him, and you're going to let him abuse you. You're going to let him rule and, and, and treat you like you're less than him. And this is not, the, God is saying, this is not how I intended it to be. He said, and he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it, for you are dust, and you will return to dust. So the woman, he said, I will intensify your pain in labor of giving children. And he said to the man, I will intensify your pain in labor of, of, of harvesting food from the earth. And so they were both were given physical punishments. Um, this is, and in the process, he ended up cursing the earth. This is something that the, uh, 
I say this in Romans, talks about how the, all of creation is, is groaning, looking forward to redemption. It's groaning under labor pains. That the earth itself is cursed. And you see all this decay and all this, this death that comes as a result of all these things, not just, from, not just from Adam and Eve and people, but we also see things from the earth itself that causes death and decay and pain and disease and all these things. Um, the earth itself is cursed and dying. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed them. So what happened? What happened? The first animal sacrifice. Right there in the garden, God taught Adam and Eve that your sin and your your only hope of having your sins forgiven and cleansed and being atoned for is going to be through the death of an innocent. And right then, when he was in charge of caring for and taking care of lambs and sheep and goats and animals, because of his rebellion, he now had to slaughter and watch the death of one of those animals to signify the atoning of his sin. The Lord God made clothing from skins. I believe that there was a lot more significance there because wearing that jacket, and I don't think it was dyed and smooth. I think it had all the the wool still on it. Wearing that skin to cover his shame and guilt was a constant reminder of the cost of sin. He knew this animal that I'm wearing as a constant reminder, died because of my choice to rebel against God. <clears throat> the Lord God said, Since the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. Was that a good thing? For God to banish him and not allow him to eat from the tree of life? That's the best thing he could have ever done. Because God was never going to teach him evil. Adam and Eve were only going to know good. They were only going to know good. God would never teach them evil. But they thought that by reaching out and taking this fruit was going to give them wisdom and give them what they wanted. All it really gave them was not wisdom. It gave them shame and guilt. And God said, this is not how I'm going to leave them. And I'm not going to let them live like this forever. I'm not going to let them live in this state of knowing evil and sinning and being in a world uh, where they kill each other and, and abuse each other and lie to each other. I'm not going to let them live like this forever because the plan I had in the beginning is the plan I'm still going to be, still going to be good on. It's still what I have in plan for you, but I'm going to give you the choice. Just like he gave them the choice to not eat from the tree, I'm going to give you the choice to be redeemed. But this time... Your redemption is going to come at the cost of my son. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed the cherubim and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. And so you ask, is that, is that tree still there? Have y'all thought that? Have y'all wondered? Is that tree still there? Can we find that garden? Could we find that tree is that the Holy Grail? 
could you find that tree and, and pull the seeds out and grow them and, and have a fruit that you could eat and live forever? Okay, I'm going to answer it with two ways. Yes and no. Yes, the tree was real. Yes, if you ate the fruit from the tree, it would give you sustained life. I believe, I, there's no way to know, I don't believe it was to take a one bite and you live forever. I believe the fruit of the tree itself, you ate it on a regular basis because the tree is back in Revelation. It said that the tree of life is on each side of the river and it bears fruit, a different fruit every month. So this tree of life, the one that you eat and live forever, it bears a new fruit every month. So my assumption, I could be wrong, but my assumption is Adam and Eve had the choice to eat the fruit and as long as they kept eating the fruit, all their body cells would repair, they wouldn't age, and they would just live forever. That's how I understand it. Do I think the tree was real, or do I think it was just figurative and all made up in a you know, story? No, I think it was real. Because I think it was real, yes, I believe that it's a real tree with real fruit, that if you bit it, you could live forever. Otherwise, God lied or made, it, made all this up. I believe it was real. So that's my yes, but the answer to answer your question is no. I don't think anyone's ever going to find it. There's a reason. God made sure no one would find it. And then after the, you ask, where is the garden? Where is the tree? Where is all this? Where are the four rivers that are described that we don't know where they are? The flood of Noah. The flood of Noah drastically changed the entire landscape, wiped out the garden, buried it under hundreds of, hundreds of feet of soil. It's all been changed. It's gone. No, I don't believe anybody's ever going to find it. The tree of life, we know, is Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Jesus Christ is today our tree of life. He is the one we reach out to. He is the one who will nourish us. He is the one who will give us life. He is the one who said, if you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you will live forever. He is the tree of life for us now. And God's going to keep it that way. Then the man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. She said, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. She also gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. We see the sacrificial system here ongoing. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And how quickly life went from perfect to horrific. I mean, how fast sin's devastating effects are. So we started off with God commanding the whole world and universe into existence with his words. And then he commanded Adam to do what to do and what not to do with his words. And then Satan deceived Eve into disobeying God by making her doubt his words, by saying, did God really say? And I'm pleading with everyone here, as the new year just started, if you are not regularly reading through the word of God on a regular basis, 
I beg with you and I plead you to start that today. To start reading God's Word on a regular basis. Whether you have to get on a plan, whether you just pick it up and just read a little bit at a time, but read God's Word on a regular basis. Because only by knowing His Word will we be able to recognize what's true and what's a lie. <clears throat> and we're going to skip all the rest of them. But the only thing that sin brings is not fulfillment and not joy and not peace. The only thing it brings is death. We can't buy into the lie anymore. We can't give in to what God or to what Satan has to say day in and day out, trying to trick us, trying to pull us away from God, trying to get us to disobey him. We must obey him. We must love him with all our heart, and we must count on him. We must rely on him, and we must look forward to when he's going to make all things right. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And Father, I want to thank you that you chose to place every one of us here in America, that you chose this time to place us here in this point in history in this place in the world that all of us can have free copies such such easy access to your word because that has not been true for all of history in all places and it's still not true in so many places today father i pray that we never take your word for granted but father that we would study it we would read it. And if we don't understand it, that we would chew on it and we would mull on it and we would, we would seek out answers because your words are the words of life. Father, thank you for giving us the truth. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for offering us an invitation to spend eternity with you through the, through the sacrifice of your son. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen.